What is it you want, Barry? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. Come with me if you want to live. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. The Force will be with you. Always. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 20th Century Geek. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and wonderfully today I'm joined by friend of the show and uh, you know, often contributor to our spooky stories. Uh, Rhea, you're back on the show. How are you doing? Hi. I'm good, thank you. I'm excited. I don't know why. Straight <laughs> like that. I'm very tired, just for all listeners. That's I'm it, so very you... pleased. This isn't visual. That's I'm it. tired because I've been up telling ghost stories. Yes. <laughs> That's what we are going to be covering today. We're going to be the it's completely the wrong time of year. Um yeah. we're in the spring. Actually, good point. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> we did start we started this conversation off the podcast because of several things. Um and we thought it'd be a good chat. We were having a chat. We thought, let's take this, let's take this to the podcast and have the conversation. So, yes, we are going to be talking about ghost stories. But it sort of started um in a sort of ghost story, but a, a slightly different way. So there was a, a podcast and a TV show that's what we were chatting about. Uh the first one is a podcast called Ghost Story on Wordry, um, in which a I can't. I've got the guy's name up here actually, but a guy Tristan. starts Tristan, Tristan. Thank you. Starts looking into the ghost. Uh, the, uh, this ghost that is in his childhood home. That he then makes connections with his wife's family who lived next door when uh, many many years ago in the thirties, and starts to investigate how uh, a woman, uh, the the his wife's great grandmother, yeah, um, was murdered uh, in quite sort of shocking way. And is this ghost hers? But it sort of takes a diversion into um, looking into the man who was the, could have been a suspect, which was her great-grandfather. Um, all that aside, the, the point that we then made was, and the show kinds of makes as well towards it, it kind of realises towards the end that, oh, crap, we've not really talked about the victim, who's the uh, this woman, and how... Um, she actually turns out to be an incredible woman in her own right and not just the victim of this murder. Um, and then also we talk, we started talking about the Amityville horror because there was the Amityville Origins documentary on the BBC. Uh, and so we thought, let's talk about ghost stories in general. But I wanted to start with Ghost Story, the podcast. So let's start yeah. with that. Yeah, it was so interesting because I was listening to it and I think I was, I can't remember now, on episode two or three and I was like, I've got to message Scott and be like, are you listening to this? Because that when it was still really focused on it being a ghost story, and then mm. they do like some really nice journalism storytelling when they start yeah. delving into the backstory of this ghost story and about the Dancy family and how Naomi was murdered, and it turns into more of a true crime podcast, and then it turns into a podcast about the impact of the stories we tell as families and as we pass down generations as well as unreliable narrators and which of course is great in the ghost story world because so many ghost stories have unreliable narrators Mm. are based around legends about stories that we tell or stories that are not being told you know how the victim 
is so often see- is a ghost, an apparition, because they're seeking some sort of justice to what happened to them. Um, and then, you know, we start, as you were saying, you know, so it, it's then the impact of this family and how all the, this family has held as a legend, Fader. So I think his, his, his name's actually John Dance. It isn't that great that I remember Naomi's name, but his yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And how they hold him in such high esteem that for them, it's harder for them to deal with the fact that he may have murdered his wife and second wife mm. than it is to realise the injustice of what happened to their great-grandmother. Yes. Well, what was fascinating was, um, as you say, sort of the the because it is very well good. It's it's because Tristan Redmond, um, he is very you know, as you say, the journalistic approach really works. It's a fantastic deep deep dive as well. Like he, no stone left unturned in his pursuit for sort of knowing more about about this guy Father, who that you know is the grandfather, the great grandfather, um. And this story, all, all these stories that have sort of accumulated about him, about how he was uh, a spy during the First World War. He then became uh, this known surgeon and had his portrait up in in the you know a prominent place. He wrote these several songs um, of the th- you know of the twenties and thirties and all this other stuff. And then as it sort of picks away at it it starts to sort of crumble a bit. You find that he's written this sort of massive 3,000 page, maybe more than 3,000 page self-promoting um, biography, memoir. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm sorry. Peak, peak yeah. white man, right? Yeah. Peak white man. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I'm so important. <laughs> I shall even write my own biography. Um. Yeah. Um. But what's worse is, as they do dig into it, they find out that large portions of it are taken, sort of, verbatim from other books. Yeah. Especially around the spy um world. So. The the, this this character this this individual has sort of built up his own legend within this family. Um. And then his wife, this Naomi, the Naomi was killed in 1930. Was it 33? 37? I'm terrible with dates and I've not got that. 37. In my notes. She was murdered so... in 1937. There you go, 1937, yeah. <laughs> um, and how, like you say, she's kind of removed from the family other than being this victim. And this is whole They story. don't know her name. They didn't know her name at all. Yeah, like, which is amazing. But then when he digged in, dug into her, she was this great surgeon and doctor and looked after like you know um protected uh, women raising sort of children was highly respected in her trade was one of the first accredited surgeons in her fi- uh, female accredited surgeons in her field and um there's the kind of what was what was funny for me and I, I did actually laugh as i was listening to the end of it that in my head that you know, I was like, "Oh, you've lost part of this legend, but what you've actually you've actually gained an entirely new, amazing person into your family tree." But they never sort of accept that. It's all about the loss of this this male character, and I yeah, was kind of flabbergasted by that by the end of the show. It's th- I for me like that is one of the most 
shocking things about it yeah. and it's the generational divide as well you know Tristan's talking to his daughters and I think his nieces and they were like this is amazing like mm. true crime's really exciting but also we're learning about Naomi and like there's this whole part of our family we didn't know about but then the older generation is absolutely grieving this loss of a figure that they had in their lives and it's like but you've not and I'm, and I'm not denying that isn't valid emotions. I think they are incredibly valid emotions, but they still cannot spare any of that. It's the... any a single drop of it for Naomi. Not yeah. a single drop. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm misremembering and somebody can correct me, but I don't recall a single moment where they go, well, she does seem amazing and I'm so glad that, we're learning about her. It is all about you are bringing disrespect onto our family because you're besmirching this man's name. Mm. And- well, that's exactly. It's, it's, it's sort of like the the father and not the father. It's like her uncle, isn't it? Who sort of says that? Like, I'm worried that you're gonna do some trashy journalistic piece on this and and sort of you know sully this not guy's name because he may be a murder suspect. But like, and that that sort of I mean, it's not that it's trashy journalism, but there is an element of that where it's sort of like he is a suspect and they're investigating it, and there are people that say, "Well, he would be my prime suspect." Completely understandable. But it goes beyond that, and that's where it's sort of interesting. Well, it's it's the it's the age old thing, isn't it? You know, like a man sexually assaults a woman when he's like eighteen, twenty, mm. at college or university, or whatever, and they're like, "Oh, but we don't." want it to damage his reputation we don't want him to go to prison because that will affect the rest of his life rights all you know in his family write letters and his yeah, friends yeah. his ex-girlfriends write letters you know oh i don't want his precious little life to be damaged and i'm like well he literally sexually assaulted somebody yeah he's damaged somebody else's life yeah exactly but because it's a woman yeah you go oh i'm not that bothered about it and, it, and it's just like the same old thing just repeating but it's always, itself it's always this thing in ghost stories and like you know because you're right and, uh, one of the things that's got me thinking about as we were leading up to this and i was thinking about because we watched amityville we'll move on to that in a moment because that again has this male centric um thing it's almost like the other thing so in that um it's a very the whole amityville saga let's say from the defeos through to the lutz is very male centric yeah um you know, um, Ronnie DeFeo kills his family, which, you know, and I've read the books, I've watched other things, I've watched many documentaries and stuff on this. I understand that there are sort of oddities to the to the way that the murder happened, how he managed to kill everybody. But regardless of that, he did, and then made up these, you know, with his lawyer, made up these stories about him being hearing voices and things because they could try and get off on an insanity plea. And then a year later, the Lutz's take on the house, and it focuses on George Lutz. Yeah. And again, even watching this documentary, um, the the origins, like it's a four episode thing, it's four hours. Each episode is, is an hour long, and there's some really cool stuff in there, some fascinating sort of things. But again, like I know a lot about George Lutz. <laughs> don't know a great deal about other than like she was played by Margot Kidder in the original <laughs> film. <laughs> like there's no, like, you know, and, uh, and, Kathy and... Lutz, Kathy Lutz gets barely any history or, 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 you know, legacy. It's bizarre. And she's such an interesting, I'm going to use the word character because uh-huh. of the story, because uh-huh. most of us know 
Amterville horror story from the book. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, a, and the validity of their story. So I'm using the word character. I don't mean it to be... No, no, I understand. Yeah, yeah, the, or, yeah. the, interp- um, the, the version of Kathy Lutz that we know yes, is a character. Right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, you know, she is played as this character as the over-emotional woman mm. who's mm. worrying too much. The divorcee with children and George is so kind to take her on and her and her children on right but she's the emotional lapsed Catholic and nobody takes her seriously and everybody acts as you know as if George isn't being over emotional as if anger isn't an emotion yes if you know you know because he gets you know, he gets so angry and it's all oh, it's the spirits making him angry but as a society we see bourbon vodka yeah. yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> repeatedly running yourself into debt yeah um, you know we seem to pretend that anger is an emotion because men are allowed to have that um and you know she she and so she's such an interesting character like when you read the book when you watch the films when you watch the documentaries She's just always there in the back. The story is nothing without her and her children. No. If the story was just he moved into a house he couldn't afford and there were voices, nothing would happen. And, you know, it's her. It's her daughter, Missy, who, you know, has the interactions with the With demons. Jody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jody, you know. And it's, for me, and I don't think I read, I, I read it this way when I first read the book, you know, for me, it's the story that's not being told of Kathy, who, you know, when you read it as an adult or when you watch the stuff, very much seems like she is a victim of domestic abuse. Mm. Mm-hmm. And But nobody wants, you know, nobody wants to tell that story. We need to have sort of like George being the man and then getting the family out. And it's again, it's sort of like one of the things I love about horror horror films I say this all the time blah 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 you're all bored of me saying it is like I get like this nice cathartic release as a woman yeah because I mean and other people don't feel like this they don't need to watch horror films they don't need to watch rich people in succession being assholes like all families are assholes but I get like a real sense of I get I find it very cathartic and when I do you know watch any documentaries or anything about Amtiful now it's always that simmering underneath. Like, what's the Kathy story? What's not being said? Yeah, what's the, missing? It's yeah. always, and I think, I think to me, it sort of come through. There was a, um, there was a documentary that came out a couple of years ago called uh, My Amityville Horror, and it's told from one of the lads, and I forget which one was the youngest boy, and it's him. Sort of, it's the focus of the documentary is on him, and he's he he claims. Um, that a lot of it's true. Like he still makes these sort of claims of supernatural, whatever. However, as you say, like he was like, oh no, the house was tense, like even before. And again, like he says that, like, you know, George would take a belt to them and do this other stuff. And so, you know, he was a, but then there's this thing of like, but it was what happened in the 70s. It was a man's man kind of, you know, you didn't do as you're told, then you got the punishment sort of thing. You know, don't spare the, uh, spare the rod kind of thing. Um, but you're still going, as you say, you're going like, cool. But there's still this jigsaw piece missing in all this. Like it really feels like there's a there's a part of this story that is missing a little bit, or you know, is hidden off off screen a little bit. And I always I've always thought that of, of late that like Kathy say Kathy Lutz's story seems 
to be overshadowed by, you know, she's part of it, but as you say, the focus is on George. Like he's the one that finds the door in, in the basement. Yeah. He's the one that sees the Indian. He's the one that gets da 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 da. Um, yeah, she's sort of just there and hears things and stuff, but don't know. And uh, and, it, and it's that classic trope, isn't it, in horror films of the woman not being listened to, and the man's always like, "We must stay in this location because of X random reason." And the woman's yeah. like, "Well, actually, this doesn't seem." fantastic i think we should go somewhere else and the man's like you're so emotional you're seeing things <laughs> women it must be your period yes, Maybe, yeah. You Hormones. Know, like, yeah like constantly well i mean i think i might be doing a slight tony farina here but with when we were talking about amateur something i was really thinking about and sort of the george and kathy dynamic i was really thinking about was ed and lorraine warren I was going to get to them, yes. Oh, yes, because, right, so because, you know, obviously they become so popular with the Conjuring series, and I would suggest in real life they are not legit, is if I'm... I, I want to say, I, I have read two of their books. Yeah. And from a horror perspective, they're wonderful fun. Yeah. From a reality point of view, they are absolute batshit crazy, <laughs> and I could not believe a word of them. <laughs> And I feel like they're, I feel like the filmmakers of the conjuring have realized that their real life dynamic is pretty toxic. He kind of is, has two wives, you know, all of these sort of things, not great young women slash girls mm-hmm. type of stuff. Not somebody I would like to have around anybody I know. And I feel like the you know the makers of the film series have gone. Oh, we don't really want to show that dynamic, so we're <laughs> going to like up Lorraine a little bit and make you know she's got all these psychic connections, she's got all these powers. Well, no, to say that no, no, it's you know, this is the thing. This is the weird thing about them. They are an odd couple. They're an exceeding, and I, I would say Ed Warren is clearly a scumbag. Um, and from things I've sort of nothing's he's one of those odd characters like nothing is ever concrete mm. but from what I know like you say he was a little sleazy and you know there's allusions to all kinds of bits and pieces nothing like you know not young girls like that but like there's allusions to affairs and other bits and pieces but he was devout like he believed everything he said but um but they were a partnership when it came to this shit and she did claim to have psychic abilities and she was the medium. And this is one of the other things I find interesting is um, they were a partnership. And you say, you know, the films elevate her. And if you ever, they soften him, they soften him. Yeah. They bring him up. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you're going to have him in like, you know, then he's a a wonderful actor. He's a good looking bloke. Oh yeah. Patrick Wilson is Patrick Wilson. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And you, you got Jennifer, um, I'd say General Tega, what's her name? Um, Farmiga. Um, yes, Vera. Uh, Vera Farmiga. And yeah. yeah. And I'm like, so you've got, a, a, yeah, you've got so a very attractive woman and a very attractive man playing I mean, this couple. What a but... ridiculous couple. Yeah. Like, come yeah. on. <laughs> um, but when you, if you ever go back, and people do this, it's interesting, fascinating. Google them in interview because there's lots of like, they were on lots of TV shows, that, you know, daytime and sort of late night TV shows where they would talk about this stuff. And Ed would talk from, a religious and almost like a technical standpoint of like the demons don't like this and the ghosts don't like that and we do this and we do provocation this way and it's all very sort of like the process and Lorraine is the spiritual one who is like well I sense them and I have this ability to see and da 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 
and it feels very much gender um, stereotyped. Yeah, yeah. The man is the technical one and knows how it works, <laughs> and the woman is the one that uses her intuition. She feels things. She feels things exactly, and it's like, and I, part of me wonders, like, that's why they worked for that generation because yeah. they were just like almost like a, a Ghostbusters pairing <laughs> for that generation, and they but they fit that mold of a, a, a you know a Christian de- demon fighting married couple. You know that he was all professional and she was the psychic and stuff. It's okay. It almost writes itself. Yeah. To be right. honest. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they must have been like, "Hold on, we we're about to." Uh, yeah. Really cash in on this, and they did. The Conjuring films, seen most of them, so you know. <laughs> yes, it worked. But it, it is interesting. This is the thing I want to say about the family because the thing, like you said, we talked about the 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 male thing, but there's I feel there's a switch, and talking about the Amityville. Like there's a switch in the seventies, especially for ghost stories in in my head. Of and I would say this is both um, in real life and in Hollywood. And this is where I think is a parallel because the Amityville is like there's a switch in it. It goes into across the world, and everyone talks about George Lurtz and Kathy Lurtz. But as you say, George is clearly the focus. Even when you watch them on TV, like she sat back a little bit. Mm. Like it's clear, like he's always closer to the to the interviewer. That kind of thing. Uh, the dynamic is clearly there. But then you have, like, um, the Enfield poltergeist yeah. haunting, sending around two girls. Um, and then shortly after that, you have, a, you know, I would say um, 1980, you have The Shining being released. in The film, the books obviously already come out. And The, the, the Shining is very much in the Amityville mould of um, Jack Nicholson, being Danny, uh, not Danny Torrance, Jack Torrance being the focus, and you know Shelley Duvall, and that's a whole different podcast about how <laughs> Shelley Duvall was treated by Kubrick, but that's a whole that's a similar dynamic, and then we get Poltergeist, and I feel that Poltergeist is the true sort of um, shift in this representation, and it's like oh, young girl is the contact point for the spirits. And we almost go this full circle of women in mediumship. And then throughout the 80s, whenever we have ghosty sort of films, Poltergeist obviously goes on to have two and three and a remake. It's it's It very much starts to centre on a female protagonist yeah. that is in contact with the ghosts. And it sort of goes back to the starts of spiritualism with the Fox sisters and all that kind of stuff. And I just find it's, it's, it's interesting that all of a sudden the feminine becomes... The, the medium gateway, like you know, it's very rare that we then start seeing a male um connection with the, with the other side. They're usually the ones, like you say, I don't, you're crazy. This is you know, ghosts don't exist, kind of practical. <laughs> all, this, all this weird pragmatic. stuff is happening that can't be yeah. ghosts. <laughs> there are no ghosts, that thing's floating, ignore it, it'll, it'll go away. Um, and, and yeah, and I, I find. Like, it's one of those things that I kind of get annoyed by. Yeah. Because it's sort of like, well, of course, of course it's women, of course it's adolescent girls, because they're going through so many changes, and women and girls are so complicated. But at the same time, I'm grateful with it, because it centres us. You know, horror films, you watch a lot of horror films, so many female protagonists. It doesn't mean I... For me, there's a real difference between 
horror films that have female protagonists that are being exploited and horror films that have female strong. protagonists. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, not, or not even not strong, strong yeah. just female protagonists. And I think where we talk about women connecting with the spiritual side, it tends to fall in the camp that I favour rather than, you know, for me, slasher. I do like slasher horror, but that is so easily tips into being exploitative. Mm. And therefore I don't, I still enjoy it. I still find it cathartic, but I don't find it as interesting as when we talk about women on the spiritual side. We talk about, you know, it's funny that poltergeist is the first thing that comes into your head. For me, it's the entity. It's the exorcist. Yes. Like, I love the entity. Oh, yeah. It's, um, a, that's a, that was an interesting watch for me the first time I watched that. Yeah. I mean, I remember what I watched it on like late night TV on like Channel 4 or something random like that. No idea what was going on you know and i think these films then lead us to the witch to midsummer mm. you know these films where hereditary where it it's still male directors but they are saying something very unique about the female experience which and again as i always say men can write women Mm-hmm. You know, Tony, Tony Freenu again, second shout out on, yeah. on this podcast. You know, he does it incredibly well. And I think that sort of is what pulls me into these spiritual stories. We talked about um, Mike Flanagan and, of course, mm. uh, God, I've, I was literally about to say it. And then the name. House of Usher? Uh, haunting, no, um, uh, haunting of Hill House. House of Haunting Yeah. And but also the film with um, the woman from all of his work. Where Ocula. she, no, where Osh. she is. <laughs> oh my god, this is naming, terrible. Just naming all the films he's done. <laughs> where she's the, she's the spiritual. Yes, thank you. Ouija too. Ouija too. Yeah. Thank you. You know, <laughs> I was and almost I think there. <laughs> we got there in the end. I, you know, for me, I think that film is a huge turning point mm. in how in so that came out in two thousand sixteen. Mm-hmm. I think that's a huge turning point in these more modern female spiritual stories. I'm sure there's some amazing film academic out there who'll tell me it was actually a film beforehand and awesome. Please do. I would actually really like that. Um, But for me, watching horror films, particularly talking about ghost spirits, I remember watching that on Netflix and being like, this feels sort of back to that 80s, centering women we've come away from that we went into the, all the slashers into the door mm. and now we're turning back to this spiritual side and how we as horror audiences we're always drawn to it we're always drawn to it but now we're having these we're having women at the forefront I mean the exist obviously you know it is Regan who is being Regan her mum who mm are being haunted and that's, that's a whole another whole other podcast although I'm yeah. sure many people have done it before but it's we've got the male priests coming in now I feel like a what year are we in 2024 <laughs> version of that would be it would be a female spiritualist coming there was in. a 20 there was a 2023 version I've not seen it so I couldn't comment on the yes there, yes of course yeah, I've not seen it either yeah, yeah yeah I've not seen it yet um but you're right. I think that's what's interesting is is that switch, is that sort of switch up that it was there before. Um, and sort of like you say, you know, I think about the difference between sort of those kinds of, like you say, because even in Poltergeist, uh, the, the spiritualist is the team that comes in is led by a woman. 
the, yeah. the great Lin Shay, and um, they have um, is it Regina the the uh, the, sh- the the sort of short. Uh, this house is clean. <laughs> Who's amazing? I, th- I, I think we have just learned that I can't remember the name of anything. Yeah. I finally turned into um, my mother, so please don't ask me questions like that. <laughs> but but you know the, you have that and that sort of eighty two eighty one sort of time um, ninety two, and so you you have that sort of female centric because even in that like you have the sister like you know there's the, the it's yeah. the, it, uh, there's the there is the brother and the father, but it's very much a sort of a female centric home. There's there's you know the mother, the older sister, and then and then Carol Ann, the younger sister. Um, it centers very much around them. And there's a great moment in that film talking about sort of father daughter relationships, where um, the mother's sort of like calling to Carol Ann and saying like you know don't go into the light, honey, don't go into the light. And this, the the medium says like no, shout it and she says to the father, like to the father, you've got to say it because you're the authority figure. You know, like there's a bit of fear from the father, and it's interesting, <laughs> it w- but it's true, and it, you know, because it's that fear, isn't it? Sort of like as a parent, you know, you have that, and sometimes as the male, Ooh, you, I had it as a kid in the eighties. You wait till your dad gets home, yeah, you know, and it's a bit of that, and um, I, I've always found that interesting. That, there's that f- father figures in these films are always kind of. Not so much intimidating, but they're there sometimes as an authority figure. So do you think, so there's two things that I want to ask you a question about, and they sort of go together here. Mm. So we have the female medium tends to be an old woman. Um, My thoughts are that is because it's that nurturing old, you know, She's yep. seen a lot type of things. We get that. So I'm interested in your thoughts around that. And then I'm interested in your thoughts around, again, I've sort of got my own ideas and theories around when we start seeing this switch and we're talking about how it's really coming. So this is a two-part question, so mm. <laughs> I'm not being very helpful. Um, is why do you think it's mostly mothers and women who, so, you know, because in Katie in Paranormal Activity is not a mother, but we know the back history of why she is being haunted as such. Why do you think films started focusing on it being the woman who sees the spiritual things, who sees the hauntings? Do you think there's something inherently, they're saying that there's something inherent in women? Yes, I do. That causes that to happen? I do. I think I think there's always been this... Um... And I do think it goes back to like witchcraft. Yeah. 100%. Um, and the and, mystery of a woman, right? Exactly. And the I think. Mysterious creatures. Yeah, in, indeed, in many ways. <laughs> um, because I think there are um, there are tropes. And I'm, 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 I'm going to parallel it between sort of reality, real, real stories. Mm-hmm. Let's say reality, you know. I'm trying to think of a word that's not just real because I'm not claiming they're all real, but do you know what I mean? Sort of like, yeah. you know, tales in the real world compared to movies. Um, and I think there is this thing. When you look at things, say, the Enfield Haunting or um, there was the, there was one that was on Uncanny that was set in the 50s, a similar thing. A young woman was being um, haunted. There's this thing around f- female puberty versus male puberty. You know, male puberty is um, you're becoming a man. 
you know it's sort of it's all about it's about sort of even today there's an mm-hmm. element of it's about or well, you're growing up it's responsibility it's sort of more you know rough and tumble it's kind of like a weird it's hard to describe but it's sort of like you know you it, there's still even i can't talk because obviously i still play with read comics and play with toys but like there's an element of you know putting away childish things to become a man kind of thing but there's there's this sort of mystique around female puberty because it's the sort of thing oh you now have reached you know the period in your life where you are able to carry life you are now a woman you are now it's a transition period and i think that this because they are then have this connection with the ability to make life there's this connection with the afterlife and with death and the idea of spirit and soul and that's no bad thing that's not just but i just think that there is that there but then to go back to this idea of witchcraft i also think there's this thing of um women just are more likely to hold a pack with the devil i don't know but like <laughs> yeah we are <laughs> we are fucking fed up <laughs> yeah but does that does that what are your thoughts yeah, on so, that so so yeah so i i should have done the questions at different times because we'll probably forget the answers us so for me i think there is a very conservative interpretation mm-hmm. of adolescent girls being possessed by spirits mm-hmm. you start menstruating you start your period you open up sexually and therefore you get impregnated and and of course if you are impregnated out of wedlock there must be a demon inside you type of thing so i think there's definitely a conservative let's scare young women mm. into not becoming women basically into continuing Ooh. to have the innocence of youth to not have sex so i think yeah. there's like a real agenda there i also think looking at that that agenda women and women's bodies and and everything that goes with that is so it is genuinely mysterious even in medical fields because you know for until very recently they wouldn't do experiments on women they wouldn't Mm. cut up cadavers because it was unsightly we couldn't do it before god you know if a woman died with a baby inside her she's buried with a baby inside her you know there was no it you know there was no exploration of of that you couldn't look inside a woman's body and so especially like we're getting to the 60s and 70s and we're just with 80s we're discovering more about women's bodies we're talking about it more you know somebody finally says tampax in a tv advert and yeah (laughs) shocking and then for a filmmaker why wouldn't you and I'm going to use the word exploit. I don't mean exploiting the term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exploit it. You know, why wouldn't you exploit that? Wouldn't Why wouldn't you write and tell stories about that? Because you've got a willing audience who doesn't understand the mm. mysteries of the female body. And again, I'm not a film scholar. This is just what I think of no, when I watch I think these films. I think you're right, though. I think there is, though. There is this thing of... Um you know let's say the spiritual feminine that exists in this and you work like you're right i think there has always been the mystique of uh female puberty and pregnancy and this thing and again that's why you know you talk about the entity as being well that film's literally about spiritual race yeah so you know it's about that like the exorcist um is you know has a violent um 
masturbation scene with the, with the crucifix. Like there's lots of things like that where you know it's it's um, a violation of the feminine um, that becomes, like I said, the exploit, but becomes almost more horrifying um, because it's that you know this is the feminine. Um, the, the the other side of it, I think, is and I'm thinking about other films that have come later. Is almost like the 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 other side of this. We talk about the male sort of is you know you talk about the father in in Poltergeist who eventually does believe, but like his initial response, because it's, it's not only is it Carol Ann, it's the mother who see, who who sees it first. The chairs all move, and then then she puts Carol Ann on the floor with a football helmet on, and she slides along the kitchen, and <laughs> the dad's like, "What the hell is this?" Um, the male presence is always one of practical disbelief. Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking, I was just looking at sort of films, you know, to bring back to films of like everything from like Beetlejuice um, to um, films like uh, Stir of Echoes or, um, Echoes, yeah. you know, there's a film, there's a, there's a film based on one of my favorite books by James Herbert called Haunted, The Haunted, in which it's a, a, a spiritualist, not spiritual, like a spiritualist hoax investigator. Uh, played by a male, so he comes in. There's going, there's the practical to say that this isn't, yeah, isn't real. Um, all the way down to like, um, if you've watched, oh, like you know, Sleepy Hollow again, like the '90s version of Sleepy Hollow. But I'll go even further to one of my favourite things of all time, 1992's Ghost Watch. Um, again, centres very much on the idea of the Enfield haunting and and you know, those kind of things. But it's two girls and a mother yeah. on their own, and again, it's Sarah Green as the female presenter that gets entangled in it more than Craig Charles, who's always taking the mick out of it outside. So there's always that thing of like, you know, the feminine of the sort of the closest and almost vulnerable to spiritual attack. Um, and I wonder, so that's, is it... so, so that's really interesting, vulnerable to spiritual attack. So, mm-hmm. you know, we see women as more vulnerable, mm. right. As a society. And, you know, we are in many, many ways. Um, statistics show <laughs> yes yeah. male violence to women shows that we are yeah. more vulnerable in many ways um um but also you know like if you were a demon or a spirit and you were going to possess someone i personally would possess a woman because nobody would fucking believe her uh, right? well that, that shows doesn't right? it yeah yeah of course you would you'd be like i'm gonna do it they'll think she's just being over emotional she's on a period and then they won't believe her and then i can get away with doing all of this terrible shit like mm. I totally would. I'd be like, "Yep, yeah, go on." <laughs> well, no, you're right. And again, I think you know, that's I think that's there is that thing, isn't there, of sort of the woman's place in society of being sort of the vulnerability almost comes from being, um, not in a position of power. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Um, you know, and even I'm trying to think about because I mentioned like Beetlejuice. And you have Lydia, wonderfully played by Winona Ryder, is, you know, she's she can see the dead because she's, oh, the, the the strange and unusual. And she says, well, I myself am strange and unusual. But it's like, yeah, but also, but so is Otho, you know, the, 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 that character. Yeah, like, yeah. <clears throat> but she can see them because I think, again, like, you know, she's a teenage girl. Um. And she's more open to it. So I just, you know, there's that thing. And obviously, again, vulnerable to attack from a ghost. This time for interdimensional marriage, but that's a slightly <laughs> different 
Uh, it's a slightly different worry. Um, but at the same time, you know, um, a couple of the films that stand out, like Ghost, I think it's worth talking about Ghost. Yeah, um, big fan of Ghost. I've not, it's literally want to watch it recently. You know, I'm on a bit of a Whoopi Goldberg kick at the moment just for the sister act. And I was like, I haven't seen Ghost in ages. I should really watch that. So I haven't watched it for a while. But like, again, it, it almost like Demi Moore in her grief, you know, and that sort of thing. But like, again, what's interesting about that film is like that Patrick Swayze's approach to it as, as the ghost, it's very practical. There's a whole scene of him like learning to push things. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like he's being taught something. Like there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, you know, there's not a kind of a spiritual. Um, he's a male ghost, and there is no sort of like you know, well, you're now one with, you know, the universe. You're now one with the force. It's like center your anger and all your emotion into a ball to be able to push over a cup. Yeah, and and so ghosts. I'm a big fan of ghosts. I'm a mm. big fan of. Patrick Swayze's performance in it. I'm glad you said performance. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think if it wasn't for him, Sam would be such a boring character. But I think he brings so much sensitivity Mm. into a role where I agree with you, he is incredibly practical and he is very like next task driven. I must do this and I must do this and I must do that. And yet he brings this amazing sensitivity into it and I think incredible performance Mm. but of course the medium is a woman I think there's issues with the medium being a black woman um well you know and you know I am not qualified to talk to that I am a white person but uh, you know I think it's handled well in this film please tell me if it's not a Genuinely, no, I just I, I think I think there, there is this sort of, and this is a Stephen King trope more than the thing is there is, yeah. and I, I, you know, I'm careful with the wording, but it's referred to as like the magical Negro. That's the 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 title it's given is like, you know, oh, this black man or woman turns up and has mystical knowledge and helps people and, and helps the like, white people and helps the white people, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so you're a bit like, oh, okay, but I don't think I don't feel that. I don't think that really applies here because it's not that it's not her being black that is like so if you look at like Sc- Scatman Carruthers playing um what's it in in um yeah. uh The Shining like him being a black man is part parcel of it because it's sort of like you know um the way he refers to Danny and because of the culture and stuff like there's that thing in it and I think the same for the in the stand, um, mother, I forget the names now, but like you know, the 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 one that represents the good side again is almost like Aunt Jemima level, sort of like racist in parts, and you're just yeah. like, this feels a little bit uncomfortable in modern day. I feel with Whoopi Goldberg, Whoopi Goldberg's playing Whoopi Goldberg. I mean, I, mean? I, I love Whoopi, but oh, Goldberg, this is great. Was, yeah, yeah. I just thought I would, you know. No, it's a good point. It's I a think good there's point. probably some problematic stuff there that I am definitely not qualified. Yeah, I think I think I think it on, could but... fit into that character category, but I think she, as a star unto herself, yeah, is is almost you know elevates it, it. elevates yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and he goes into the body of a yeah. woman, mm. and you know, and I think that's, I think. In a different film with different writing, he'd be like, "Oh, I'm not going into the body of a woman." A different but actor, it... even in the eighties, I think. So, yeah, well, the, yeah. I think a different actor would have been 
yeah and there's none of that there's none of that it's like oh this is you know and I think that's really interesting um I can't remember what else I was going to say about ghost but you know there is no oh I can't believe I'm going into the body of a woman it's just that has not the gender the sex has nothing to do with it and I think that's really interesting um yeah no that's a good point that is I never thought about but that's really true like there's no hesitation is there it's sort of um and a good performance actually as well and I'll think about it um on that point because I want to sort of I want to travel the world a little bit because we've talked about very western um Mm -hmm. horror films and there are some others I think worth noting um you know I've gone through sort of like within the 90s I think I think I just want to call out Stir of Echoes, which is based on a, a, I think a Richard Matheson short story, is wonderful. I love that. Yeah, I've not seen it in ages. Yeah, Kevin Bacon. Yeah, um, and again, like he he's he starts the one becoming set, you know a sensitive after an accident and starts to unravel a murder mystery in that. But it's a wonderfully well done film. Um, but going sort of forward into the two thousands, we sort of repeat or late nineties as well because we sort of repeat. Um, some of the other ones you get like Thirteen Ghosts, House yeah. on Haunted Hill, or you know the remake with um Jeffrey Rush and Famke Janskin, and a bunch of others that are like they're just sort of like they're gore ghost films. Like there's no yeah. spiritual spirituality in those films. They're just gore <laughs> ghost films. They're good fun. I actually really like them. But we also get with the original um Ring. Uh, the Japanese, the original Japanese ring, we get a glut of um, Japanese sort of ghost horror films and them getting remade in the States. Everything from yeah. The Ring, uh, The Grudge um, in particular, and The Grudge gets multiple sequels, so you get Juon, which I think is is the is the the, uh, the Grudge. And so that's a different cultural take on these things as well. And again, The Ring in particular... Um, they changed the main protagonist to a woman. Well, it's always it's a, it's a in both of them, isn't it? It's a girl in both of them. But yes, but the protagonist. No, 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 so, no, so, oh, so the, the ghost, the ghost is, a girl, is, is a girl. Yeah, but the main so the ring yes. the main protagonist becomes a woman. Becomes yes, a in Japan it's a male protagonist. Yeah. But in the in the um, yes in the Americanized version, she it becomes a woman. But and more than that, it becomes a because the focus of the Amer- of the Japanese one. Um, with the ring is obviously it's obviously the, the seven. You watch the video and seven days later. Right? And he's he is a reporter and yeah. that sort of thing. He has a family, but his family is not really the focus of the story. However, with the Western one, she becomes a single mother and has a son, and the family, the protection of the family, becomes uh, intrinsic kind of to the story. Yeah. Um, and so that feels like a very um, Western thing again, not just again bringing in the idea of the family and the protection. And Samara, that's the name, isn't it? Samara being yeah. an antagonist. Um, but again, what thing with this idea of Samara, and you know, we talk about sort of she's, she, I mean, she's a villain. They, they, they portray her as a villain, but they they give her a backstory of how she was sort of like tested upon and abused, and then finally thrown down a well while she was still alive. And you sort of go, yeah, I kind of get it. Like you know, it's it's not good. But I understand it. <laughs> you, so um, you would chuck uh, Samara down the well just because she happened to have some random powers? Not random. She could kill people by looking at them. Like, well, she was, maybe but... those people deserved it. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I'd let her loose in the House of Commons. <laughs> like you know, I'd be like, "Here you go, Samara. Go, go wild. Hey, cat, whoever you want. We'll start from scratch." <laughs> but 
Um, no, I'm not saying not Chuck is well, but I understand her revenge and her anger and the, how that is, you know. Um, but is is her being female important to the character of Samara? Do you think? I think it's important to the character of Naomi Watts, mm-hmm. whose film name character I cannot remember. Uh, I don't think it's that. Googling. I don't think it's that important. Yeah, I don't think it's that important. <laughs> I'll just call her Naomi Watts. Yes. Um, I think that's important. I think because what is so interesting about her is that she is not a traditional mother character that we would have in a horror film. Mm-hmm. She's very career-driven. She has a son. Um, she definitely loves her son, but she has other things going on in her life and she is willing to attempt to balance all of them. Good luck, lady. Because um, <laughs> that's tough. And, you know, she's not what we would necessarily call a likeable woman in film. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think making Samara in the in the remake with Naomi, because she is a girl in the original, yes. but very specifically keeping her as a girl, I don't know why you would change it, I think brings in a really interesting dynamic. And when Naomi Watts' character is talking about Samara's mother, adopted mother, and things like that, and that woman's not particularly a good mother, not particularly caring, not particularly yes. loving. You know, I think there's some really interesting things the film is trying to say about idealised motherhood. Um, so I think in terms of that, it's really important. I think in terms of female anger, Samara, and she's not called Samara in the original, also it's gone from my brain, um, Sadako in the, mm. in the original. I think so, yeah. Um and female anger, especially adolescence anger, is really important. And again, that's mm. what this story is telling. Now, the original grudge, um, the book specifically focuses on quite terrible men, quite frankly. Um, they are not good people. Um, and then having this like very intense female adolescent anger that they almost disregard... I think says so much. Whereas in the remake, Naomi Watts' character is like, no, this anger is not misplaced. This anger is... She acknowledges it, doesn't she? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't help her out in the end. No. Spoilers. But having a woman acknowledge another woman's anger is very powerful. Mm. The fact that it doesn't solve the anger or Samara's continuing destruction of anybody who watches the videotape is even more interesting that you can be seen, you can be heard, you can be understood, but you will still feel that anger anger and continue to carry that anger. And I think it makes it so much more poignant and so much more interesting than the original story. No, I agree. I think that's a really good point. I think there's, um, it's, I mean, I, I actually, it's one of those weird ones where I actually think I like the, the the Japanese version, but I do actually think there's more to the American version. I agree. Um, I think the Ring Two, the American version, is crap. I think they really yeah. sort of lose. Also <laughs> they lose. They kind of lose. They kind of lose track with the sequel. But I think the first one is very strong. Um, because got... also because why should just because 
a mother has finally gone, oh, I understand these terrible things that happened to you. Mm. Why should a child go, oh, everything's all right then? Oh, exactly. Is that like, thing of why? Like, you know, like yeah. and I love that. I love that this that it doesn't resolve itself in a neat little bow. It's not like, oh, everything's great, sunshine, rainbows, because fuck that. Because yeah. <laughs> like parents screw you up. And therapy really helps with that, everybody, just so mm. you know. They don't mean to. Sometimes they do, but mostly they don't mean to. And why should we have to carry all of that shit from them? And Samara's like, I'm giving you all this shit. Like, I'm <laughs> putting it out there for all you to deal with. But yes. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a couple of that like you too, because I think that era, the, the, the early 2000s, is actually a sort of an unacknowledged high point in some of these films um there's some that are better than others but i actually kind of like a lot of them um i'm thinking about i'm just looking at the list i've got dark water yeah uh, skeleton dark water is great i mean probably i haven't watched it for a long time but i remember at the time like and that's so interesting the like the sort of growing emotions turmoil yeah you know that that is a film about emotions yeah, yeah, so I haven't seen it in a long time, but again, I think it's it's a it's a good film. Um, obviously, you get all the all the grudge and all the other films. Um, the other two I want to just point out. I'm going to mention a couple, and we'll, we'll sort of come around to them. Uh, the first one is the others. Yep, love the others. Great, which film. I think is a fantastic film, a gothic horror film. Nicole Kidman, that female sw- grief. Yes, both of becoming a parent and then of not becoming a parent. And also losing a husband and, and you know, and also, but also like being out of control of yeah. things. Um, wonderfully uh, made film. Um, and again, this idea of motherhood and protection and the obsession of it, you know, to almost like the nth degree. And I don't want to really, I don't want to reveal the ending in any way. If you haven't seen it, it's been around since what, 2007? Um, or 2001, Christ almighty, I'm old. 2001, that film <laughs> Um, God, I saw that at the cinema. Yeah, that yeah, it's made um, and has a, some great sort of jump scares, but also is has an emotional impact at the end. That's sort of you know amazing. Another one I didn't see till recently though, but I want to recommend is a film called Lake Mongo. Oh yes! Oh my God, I've not seen that in ages. Yeah, so I, what, I don't think I even fully recall what happens in that film. I it's a high recommend. I think Lake Mongo is a fantastic Australian sort of film about a girl that goes missing. Um, and then they get sort of supernatural things sort of happening in the house, but it's done. It's a found footage film, um, and again, I'm not going to spoil the ending or anything like that. But it's it's incredibly creepy. It's shot almost. It's shot like a documentary, and um, it has some of the weirdest, like weird tale stuff kind of towards the end. Um, but it's a really good. Some of the like the the um, rabbit holes they go down are very sort of like you know looking at why a woman a girl would disappear and stuff is very interesting what i want to go back to and i'm, I'm going to recommend to you because i don't think you've seen it um of both male and female from the same year i think i'm just going to double check yeah 1980 1981 all right they're a year apart is a film the first one is male centric but i'm going to recommend it it's a film called the changeling uh, uh the old old changeling George Black C. Scott. The Changeling? No, 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 no. This no. is nineteen eighty, um, starring George C. Scott as a man who has lost his wife and daughter or children in a car accident, 
and the whole film deals with his grief and he ends up moving into this house and stuff. This re this film hit me for two reasons. He again gets involved in like a murder mystery, like a ghost starts presenting itself to him in different ways, like through noises and balls appearing and other things. And he ends up having to solve the sort of the murder of this ghost uh, that turns out to be a young boy. But this film also starts with a man crying um, and, and grieving. And it's sort of, and also George C. Scott, who not like, you know, your typical, like he's a very blokey kind of male actor. And it's kind of hitting how this film really goes into, you said about that sort of about family grief and this idea of not just loss, but like complete uncontrolled loss, where he's like, I, you know, I couldn't have done anything it was, you know, not. It wasn't my fault. This was a complete like accident that happened, and my life has been shattered. Um, and so that's an interesting one. <clears throat> the other one is a film from nineteen eighty one called Ghost Story, and this is based on a book by Peter Straub, um, which I love. The book is fantastic, and it's revolves around a group of old men called the Pudding Club. Excellent name. Yep. Please, <clears throat> do they do they eat pudding? They eat pudding. That's the idea. They get together. Eat pudding and they talk and reminisce and they've known each other for years. <clears throat> and then they all start. One of them starts to uh, has has an accident, and dies off, and eventually it's revealed. And I sort of got to do because it's sort of in the plot. <clears throat> they they're basically being haunted by this this female ghost throughout, and they start sort of dying off one by one. And it turns out that this group of men that have lived their entire lives. Um, thought they killed a woman in a car accident when they were very young in I think the 30s right <clears throat> and didn't want to get into any trouble going back to your thing you were saying early on about it might even be before we started when we started about sexual assault and sort of going you can't ruin a man's reputation that so they put the woman's body in the back of the car to push the car into a lake and then as the lake as the car's going down the woman sort of springs up and you realize she's not dead she's just in, she's trapped in the back of this car mm -hmm. and it's her ghost that's been haunting them and stuff um and you realize they're not all that good as you know they've been trying to be good people in their life but they've had this thing in their background and stuff it's a wonderfully sort of like it plays with your emotions because you're introduced to these sort of like grandfatherly sort of group Ooh. of old men that you're sort of like you know oh it's you know um a nice bunch of old men sort of I'm trying to think it's even... <laughs> oh they're just like my granddad's yeah like Fred Astaire's in it um <clears throat> you know John Houseman plays one of them um you know so it's got some like names that aren't really you know Douglas Fairbanks not ma massively known names but they're all there as these sort of like lovely old men in the pudding club yeah. and they all get together and have they reminisce and then you sort of realize that there's this sort of the reason they've all hung around together for so long is because of this guilt of, of of what and happened. Who else? Yeah, who else can they be with? Like, yeah, they're stuck tied to each other. Yeah, and so you know, there is this this other part of it that's like guilt is a part of this. We talk about grief, but I feel that like guilt forms a part of these sort of ghost stories as well, doesn't it? Of, of you know... yes, yes. So you have basically led me into three films. I was going to say, oh, go on, go for talking it. about That's guilt, good. which is absolutely fantastic. So um, we didn't even plan that. It was wonderful. Oh. Um, I and while you were talking, I just wrote them down. That's why I wasn't mm. looking directly at. I'd you. love to know your thoughts rude. on Ghost Story. I'd love to see what you and the Changeling are two films. I'd love to see your thoughts on. Eventually, it'd be fascinating. So the first one I was going to say is Under the Shadow, which is yes, 
an incredible film, like absolutely incredible. So that's quite recent, isn't it? Is that so, the, uh... so it came out in 2016. Yes. Um, it's set in the 1980s in Tehran, and mm. a mother is so she's a student, but she's not allowed to study because she's left wing, and she's at home with her son whilst bombing is happening, and she starts to believe there is a spirit in her home. I'm not going to say much more. Just mm-hmm. go and watch mm-hmm. it. It's fantastic. It says it's for me. It is an incredible look at motherhood of what we leave behind as women uh, of guilt in terms of what we this is going to sound bad guilt of what we have to give up to become mothers Mm. and how we miss that side of us and how maybe sometimes we would not want to have our children because we would want to go I completely understand that because it's yeah exactly well, it's not it's not even it's not the person it's you were a grieving born. process it is it's, because it's it's I think it's the I understand that as the grief for what you've left behind but also what you could have been like the potential yes, yeah and so I understand exactly. that completely. yeah and yeah and it you know it is about or you know actually being under siege and war and scary mm. political ideas mm. and oppressing women but the central relationship is her and her son and for me fits into that guilt um, theme that you're talking about. The second one is His House, which is fantastic for both oh, male and female That's the Netflix guilt. one. Oh, I don't know. I can't remember if it's on Netflix. If it is on Netflix, still go and watch it. Yeah. It's amazing. And it fits perfectly in what you're talking the imm- about, male the imm- and female the, guilt. The immigrant story one. Yes. yes. Yeah. No, that's a great film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and the way they tell the story... And the way they balance it between the two main protagonists, mm. they are mm. a couple, married couple who have come over to the UK, is like incredible. And then a film that while you were talking popped into my head when you talked about guilt, The Orphanage, 2007, The Orphanage, fantastic film. And guilt is <laughs> definitely a deep in that film. That I film. Mean, that film again. If you've not seen it, I don't want to spoil. Not to spoil it. anything, but <laughs> that film. If you want to, if you want to watch a film that will, in a couple of scenes, actually make you shit yourself, then great choice. And then also, cry like a baby. Cry. But if you really want Jesus. to explore some yeah. raw human emotions, one of which is guilt, oh. then this is a film. For you. Fi- I don't know why is... I'm laughing. I'm laughing through the pain of remembering the film. That film, that film is amazing. It's a Spanish film, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I, I love that film. I'm watching it a while. I've got on Blu-ray, but I should watch that film again. But that's a that's that's a that's a gut punch. It's an emotional gut punch on several levels. It's a fantastic film. Um, yeah, because you talked about Japanese um horror, and obviously there is sort of like the, the thing of European horror as well. Um, in Ghosts, Spanish in particular, you've got you know, you know Guillermo del Toro's, uh, The Devil's Backbone. Yeah, um, yeah, which is a great film. Um, yeah, so you know there are these things. So it's it is interesting how like, these different cultures have different, um, you know, interpretations of the ghost story. Um, however, in that, there's definitely that sort of thread of. Um, I'm looking at one of the things I'm looking at. I've literally got them up. I've got a tab for nineties, a tab for eighties, a tab for two thousand. <laughs> and um, as I look at, I could probably count it. How many of these 
you know, when I've got a tab up of like how many are focused on or have a female character centered mm. for their poster. Obviously poltergeist films, but like I'm disappointed that you uh, didn't do any like proper calculations on this. I should have done. I really should have done, really. <laughs> um but the thing is you say about guilt, one of the things that's interesting is is I look at some of these films, you know, that we we the nineties were filled with um you know, there's more comedy, there's a more lighthearted approach to something. You've got Casper, um, Ghost Dad, which no one watches anymore because it's Bill Cosby. Um there's a couple of like Scooby Doo ones, you know. Um and that and then sort of like you get the other ones like Ghost nineteen ninety and stir you know, Stir of Echoes is ninety ninety nine, so you ending starting and ending strong there. Mm. Um and yeah, so you get a lot of punch for the another one that I think is um, uh, uh, Peter Jackson was the Frighteners from nineteen ninety six. Oh, I love the Frighteners. Um, I made my poor friend go and watch that in the cinema with me, and she hated it, and she left halfway through. Really hated it. Yeah. It was rubbish. She didn't like it. She didn't like it at all. And oh, I was well, like, "This is amazing." Well, I hope you don't talk to that person anymore. What a, <laughs> what a vile person there. But again, that talks about that talks about spousal grief, doesn't it? Because yeah. Michael J. Fox has lost his lost his his wife in that. Um, so yeah, I just find it interesting. And then stir of it, and sorry, then and then two thousands is just loaded with with you know um, women on these sort of centers, and it shows that there's, there's this thing, especially with the Japanese remakes, that there's that that you said ex, exploit. I don't want to say exploiting because I don't think it is exploitation, but definitely leaning into the oh, this is the way that this works. You know, this is the audience at that point. Um. And also, I think, you know, I mean, we get all this rubbish all the time about audiences want to see films about men, blah, 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 blah. But <laughs> female stories are so interesting and they explore so many other things. And again, I think this is why I like horror so much. Oh, and ghost yeah. stories, because... It's a rare time where we get to centre a female experience, and yes, is this is when we're centering it? Is this sometimes a cliched experience, or you know, is it an experience that we only recognise because we live in a patriarchal society? Yes, yes, absolutely. I, you know, I can't argue against that, but that doesn't mean that these stories aren't valid or interesting just because it's focusing on that sensitivity on that feminine side of women it doesn't you know we do have that <laughs> i mean men yeah. should have that too i'm sad for you all that you don't um <laughs> no but, you know... <laughs> we shall not show or feel emotion about anything yeah but, you know why not like why can't we have these stories and i just for me, that's why it continues to be interesting, and it's something that I will continue to watch, even if it's rubbish. Mm. <laughs> you mm. know, because if you don't take a chance on these stories, then films like The Witch, Midsummer, you know, so many of the other films we talked about, The Entity, stuff like that, they would never under the shadow. You know, all these ones we've just talked about, they would never exist. No, well, if we didn't take the opportunity to watch all the other well, ones. Well, I think the horror genre is, is, is an outline. I, I, you know, you and I are both horror fans and in that, you know, we've both been able to sort of name many ghost films off this off the cuff of things we sort of think of. But I think one of the things you write about, 
you whenever you look at other genres, especially like the superhero genre, or even like this, you know, let's call them franchise, the yeah, franchise genre, right, yeah. right? Modern franchise. It that's you can't have a woman in Star Wars. No Ooh. one's going to watch a female superhero. You go well, yeah, make a good one, and and you know, <laughs> lots of people went to see Wonder Woman, so you know, swings <laughs> and roundabouts, but um. Horror sort of they have this and horror goes, Oh, okay. Here's Midsummer. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. we can't have women. Oh, really? Okay, well, here's the witch. Um, you know, and it just keeps going. And like yeah. and all of a sudden they become these successful films. And um A twenty four in particular has basically just gone, Really? <laughs> Hold oh, my beer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like about everything. Like, oh, you don't want films about black people, do you? Not yeah. Mm, well, let's see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's and so I find that the horror genre is is gets derided as being uh regressive, but actually it's probably one of the most progressive genres, especially today, with, with comics yeah. like even Blumhouse, which is only in it to do like fun horror, is still pushing the bounds on some of the stuff that they're producing rather Absolutely. than um you know an A twenty four are doing are doing, you know, great work with some of this stuff. Um and I'm I know I love all the stuff well, not all the stuff. I do think I know I'm not a fan of everything they do. The stuff on like I think Lamb was a bit um I struggled with, but um yeah, I think you know you're right. I think people that, that are more open to it in horror in in the genre yeah, and, absolutely. And I think I think, you know, we are and because we like it, we get to benefit from these other great films. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I you cannot watch Hereditary and tell me that <laughs> that is not a film that is talking about a fe- the female experience, mm. like multi generational female experience. You cannot watch that. I mean, you can. You can watch that film and I'm trying not to spoil this and be like, oh, it's about this thing and this what this one event. Yeah, I mean, you can watch it, and if you do and enjoy it, fine. But <laughs> I suggest you watch it thinking about a uniquely female experience, and you will get so much more from it. That film is enriching, which is a weird word <laughs> to use about it, but it's saying yeah, yeah. so much. That, it that is film incredible. is, yeah, that, I mean, that film works on so many levels. I mean, you know, it reinvigorated Tony Collette for a start. Um, and that that another film that's a film that another film that provided a gut punch at multiple points where you are going like Jesus like this film is wanting to beat you around a little bit and um, one I'm going to throw out which isn't isn't a ghost film but we obviously we're in sort of the A24 and sort of the more unusual area there's a film called Men still not seen it because yeah. uh, by Alex Garland yes because I find. <laughs> The idea of I cannot remember the actor's great actor of him playing all of the men character creepy as fuck, <laughs> really uncomfortable. Yeah, and I and so I don't. It's intentional, it. but it's supposed to be. No, I know, I know it is. I I, yeah, yeah. I understand that. But <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I I need to be in the right frame of mind. Brace yourself. That. So we've we've got it like we've got it downloaded, like ready to go. And when we when we occasionally have time to watch a film, it's always in the list of the five films yeah. that we choose. And it's like, shall I watch? And I go, and Rory Kinnear, and that's his name, isn't it? And I'm like, yes. I'm not in the right frame <laughs> to feel unsettled by Rory Kinnear. You you know, I'm not going to spoil <laughs> anything in that film. I really don't because the ending is if <laughs> I I want you to watch that film because I would love to talk to you about that film. 
Um, when, when, I when you've got around in a safe space, yeah, because I love Jesse Buckley as well. He's ace want, in it. She's I ace. don't want I don't want uncomfortable Rory Kinnear to hurt Jesse Buckley. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to say anything about the end, but the the ending of that film is so insanely fucked up, but like brilliant. But there's also a scene in that like you're right. He plays all the characters, and uh, but Washburn he plays all the characters of all ages, and it is because inc- he's a baby at one point. Isn't yeah. He? <laughs> He's a young I'm boy. Like, He's a young boy in a, and I'm in a like, churchyard. I'm not, and it's... I'm not. I'm just not feeling in a comfortable place for that. It's a wonderful film. It's, inc- it's Isn't insane. it weird? Isn't it the weird? The stuff I will watch. The stuff yeah. I will watch. That people are like, that is like, like just can't deal with it. And I'm like, mm, no, Rory Kinnear playing a child. <laughs> no, <Nope, laughs> not here for it. <laughs> okay, right. But I'm all right with this thing where someone's head comes off and <laughs> yeah. then. And then it's used as a handbag. Oh, I'm fine with that. Uh, yeah, no, I, I I really would want to see that because that is a it's a it, it's one of those weird films that like I I understand why it hasn't found a mass audience and why some critics were like I don't quite know what to make of this. Oh, uh, Alex Garland, I love it. He's like I'm just gonna make stuff weird. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No, like he. You know, X Machina is. Oh, do say my mate, amazing. Ex Machina is an amazing film. It's one of my favourite yeah. films. And I know some women have issues with it because of the female robots. That's exactly the reason that's, I like it. That's kind of the point. That's the point. Yeah. yeah, I know. But I, <laughs> I, you know, I think there is some difficulty with a man telling that story yeah. and it being a male protector. Like that, and that's fine. I could, we don't have time to talk about that. No, though. no. But I think that film's amazing. <laughs> And then you're like, oh, I'll watch. Um, it's just gone out from the th- one based on the book with the lighthouse. The lighthouse. It's called. No, no, what? that's because um, <laughs> that's Robert Eggers. That's um. Oh my god, with the bear. Oh, um, uh, I've got it here. Uh, animate uh, annihilation. Annihilation. Thank you. Mm. Yeah, and then you watch that, and you're like, all right. Are you all right, Alex? Yeah. <laughs> you, you're doing all right. <laughs> and then ever... again, I've not I've not seen men, but I know I'm going to watch men and be like, do you need to do you need to have a oh, chat with someone? Someone, someone, someone hurt Alex Garland as a teenager. <laughs> be like, and he looks so like. Have you seen his face? He looks so nice. Oh, like I, I, I looks, bet he's a lovely bloke. I he bet looks he's a, like yeah. you'd have like a really nice, chilled, intelligent chat. He looks like a nice dad. Yeah, <laughs> like you watch a film, you're like. Dude. <laughs> when you look at his filmographies, and you know he's got another film coming this year, um, but he obviously he did The Beach, Twenty Eight Days Later. He, yeah, he, he DLC was, writer. Yeah, yeah, he did Devs, uh, Men, Annihilation, Ex Machina, Dread, which is I love Dread, which is one of my favorite films, obviously. But the other one that's got he's the writer on. Was he the writer and director? I'm just going to double check. Oh, Alex Garland. Yeah, he's the director of um, a film called Civil War. That's coming this year, which is going to tell the the story of an, a future potential American civil war, and again that looks kind of uncomfortable, and it's about a, a partnership between Texas and California, and oh, so dear. it sounds incredibly um, crazy. So, um, oh, yeah. yeah, so he's he's a fantastic writer and stuff. So you mean Sunshine? I adore Sunshine. Twenty eight days later, uh, you know, yeah. all films I absolutely love. But yeah, and I'm also like, obviously he wrote... he, he right needs a cuddle. Yeah, yeah, 
Yes, I think you need to give him a cuddle here. That's what you want to do. Um, and he's a written consensual for, cuddle. That's it. Yeah, and he's written for 2000 AD as well. So the dude knows his stuff. Oh, has he? I didn't know that. Yeah, I think he did some future shocks and stuff like that. So he's done some bits and pieces. But uh, yeah, but um, again, this is what I'm saying. Like you can do these kinds of things in, yeah. these, in these genres, and I think that's what's wonderful about it. So, but yeah, uh, I, the final point I want to do because one of the things I wanted to sort of be tracked back. I'm going to find this is the final point because I'm a big fan of. Um, Odd, late Victorian, early twentieth century ghost stories. Yeah, everything from like Charles Dickens, uh, Christmas Carol, and his five go his five sort of Christmas stories, to M. R. James, E. M. Benson, um, <clears throat> who else have I got up here? Um, Henry James, and the rest of them. So I I love those kinds of sort of original sort of not original but you know what I mean those sort of like earlier, but those are so. I mean, I sort think of you about... missed off Mary Shelley. Well. No, that's the point I was going to make. So, Mary Shelley, I would say, is a gothic. She's not so much a ghost story. I think she's more true, of a yeah, gothic. Yeah, she she's gothic. a gothic true, writer yeah. rather than a ghost story writer. But I, w- I will, I wouldn't, I'd never not have, you know, um, because <laughs> um, <clears throat> obviously Frankenstein is so influential in, in any number of ways. Um, but I love the fact that in those stories, if you've watched it, and there's a whole series they do in the Britain that they sort of do every year now. Mark Gattis is one of my heroes in that sense. It's a ghost stories for Christmas and some of the stuff that they do in that. But it's always, I love these old stories about like fuddy duddy academics that basically get scared by ghosts is kind of like a subgenre that, <laughs> that I kind of like. Where like you have sort of M.R. James, who was like this Etonian and Oxford, Cambridge kind of, he was a, a boss at Cambridge. But like all his stories are like, fuddy-duddy sort of like people at university getting scared by ghosts. <laughs> and you're like, are you, pe- are you poking fun at the people you work with or or what? Um, <laughs> so I, I do like those sort of like kind of subversive things as well. But I love all those original ghost stories that, from that era. Turn the Screw. Turn right. the Screw, Henry James. Oh, yeah. So good. It's one of my favourite stories. Yeah. Every iteration, even the rubbish versions of it. Love it. As we've, just, yeah. we've already discussed that. Yes, I think I said that before on our Mike Flanagan podcast. Yeah, no, they are good, and you know, so ghost stories are part of our culture. I think we sort of always have them. I'm just looking up at see if there's any others, and there's so many sort of books to collect. You know, William Hope Hodgson and and I, I just all ghost the stories let us explore so many things. Yeah, you know, and it's I think they are. I'm trying to not sound too self serious as well. I've been very, I'm pausing a lot. Like I do think they're important stories, and I think we learn a lot about ourselves. They're fun, like they're hella fun. You can have fun and get scared mm. and see ghosts all around and get scared by noises. That's awesome. I enjoy that. But I also think the ghost story, the tradition of telling ghost stories, I know we're wrapping up, comes from passing down warnings, passing oh, down cautions. Yes from generation to generation to generation. And you and I have discussed before, I don't know if it was on a podcast or just separately, like that is a feminine thing. You know, we, Mm. women pass down stories. Men then decided they didn't like that. They decided we're witches. They decided we're society. Is that where the word gossip came from? That's right, isn't it? That was on that witch podcast we talked about. That a group of friends, women was a gossip and then it got turned and made into the word of like, bitchy talk and everything became gossip so yeah yeah you know men encroached on that space started diluting those stories 
and now we have this modern way of retelling these stories through film mm. and you know I'm okay with men being in that space I want more women in it obviously but I think it's so interesting that we are then in a modern society bringing these ways of telling these cautionary tales these myths these legends the folklore of it yeah the folklore these stories to keep us safe back to society Agreed. I 100% agree with that. I think I agree as well that it's sort of a tradition that I would like to see more women in. I, I in fact, I, you know, um, I was just saying books. I'm gonna look for now. There's um, we haven't talked about novels, and that's a whole different podcast. I don't want to go on that as well. <laughs> but like, I, I love women. Right, I'm reading one at the moment. It's called the dark, um, the dark between the woods. Um, um, uh, oh, dark between the trees. Uh, Fiona Bennett, I'm currently reading. Um, wonderful book. Um, uh, not so much a ghost story, but it's a wonderful, creepy sort of like horror story. Uh, I read Leviathan before that, that was written. On a, um, I can't pronounce even Leviathan. <laughs> Everybody, you're just listening to Scott and I Google things. Yeah, I'm just googling. <laughs> I'm just I'm just googling books now um, to find out where it came from. Um. But yeah, I I think that female um um female writing and female sort of storytelling in 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 horror should be more so. Uh, Rose Andrews, Rosie Andrews, sorry, was uh, uh the Leviathan. Uh, I just want to give a shout out because again, that's another fantastic book set during the British uh, the British Civil War, um about possession and other things. It's just a really good story. Um. Yeah, but it, there's a difference to it because I think you you know just to say I think that the the, the female sort of way of telling a story is you know different and comes from a different perspective and i grew up on like stephen king and james herbert and dean Koontz and you know all these male horror writers and you're like they're all very similar there's a gruff male protagonist that takes <laughs> charge and seems to solve the problem um <laughs> and it's like doesn't seem overly complex by the end of the story <laughs> after 400 pages um but and so I do read, like you know, um, I I like to find female writers because I find their books are much more complex in in some cases. And this is a generalisation, so I'm not saying yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But then and they also they do feel they do lean into a folkiness and a um a, a, an a, an approach that is new and or at least to me, and so it's something I'm exploring more and more. Um, like. This is relevant, but I but I spoke to children's book author and illustrator Bethan Wolvin, mm. and that's exactly what she does. She well, so she does two things. She reimagines fairy tales, um, and makes them a bit weirder, a bit creepier, and you know, it makes the female protagonists a bit more self sufficient and self reliant. But she also does this amazing thing. Go and listen to my podcast interview with her on Femon, by the way. Mm. Um, she does this amazing thing where she's looking at folklore and stories around often forgotten women. And she will take a part of that story and then create it into this children's story. Um, so her most recent book, Luna and the Sky Dragon, is very much... You, you'd never know it to read it, but it's like a, based around a woman who was like looking at the stars mm. and people, you know, doing the classic, oh, women, what do they know about things? And she's made that into a children's story. And she's got um, a book called 
uh, I can catch a monster. I call it Bo the Brave. That's why I had to hesitate. <laughs> and and in it, you know, it's like the classic story of boys say a little girl can't do something, but then she goes and finds all these mythical monsters and like the real monsters are humans. And mm. she does that in a children's book with a female protagonist. And, it, you know, I love that there are these voices out there. Like, and, and, you know, not just because I've interviewed her, but I think Bethan is hugely unique in the work that she's doing, both in her illustrations and the stories she's trying to bring out. And I love that there's these female voices that are just, they're just working away, they're just doing their thing and they're making changes, they're bringing these stories to the forefront and they're telling women's stories. And I just think that's really cool. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, it's this thing of having, a you know, a different take on stories and a different angle or just a different way of entering a similar... I mean, it can be a similar story just from a different perspective. And I think that's that's just as valid. And I think, if anything, it can be more valid. So, yeah, I think it's great. <clears throat> um, I just want to throw in one more. Uh, Michelle, <laughs> uh, Michelle Paver wrote two of my favourite um, ghost stories from uh, that I've read in the recent years. Dark Matter, <clears throat> which is set on the coast of the of the Arctic, uh, and it's about someone going slowly going insane as he sees ghosts of people that sort of haven't survived in the past, uh, and Thin Air, which is about a mountain expedition, um, and how that goes sort of wrong and they get haunted by the other things. That is, is isolation and the chilliest books I've ever read. But like <laughs> again, like you say, they're complex and and dark and weird and. You know, just something a bit different. So, yeah. Anyway, I will. I won't keep you much longer because we'll, we'll, we'll sort of wrap up there. Um, but this has been great. This 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 came out of a conversation that we'd had on the Discord, and I thought it was good. You know, worth having it as a as a a podcast. I'm really glad we did because I think it's uh, there's so much more to explore. Um, yeah. I I was a bit like, oh, I don't know if we'll talk that long about this. Turns out we have. Yeah. Well, there is <laughs> Hope lots you all enjoyed about. it. Yeah, exactly. And there is so much struggle. I think it is, and I think it's a really important. It start and it started with a woman that had been overshadowed by her family, uh, Naomi Darcy, um, and was it Dancy? Dancy, yeah. Naomi Dancy, who you know is worth checking out in her own right. And I think yeah, you know, she sounds amazing. Yeah, and so you know, just to sort of end on that. I think we started at that point, and we shall end at that point. Firstly, check out Ghost Story as a podcast on Wordery. It was it was very well done, and I thoroughly enjoyed all ten episodes. Um, but yeah, it, it, again, it just sort of showed that you know we need to sometimes re-examine the ghosts that haunt us because they may have something important to tell us about who they are and about who we are. So, and on that very philosoph- philosophical, yeah, wow, oh, yeah, was good. Did you plan that? No, I did not. It just came out <laughs> like a little, like a, like a little, at a little stroke moment, and all of a sudden, <laughs> sort of very, very articulate. Um, it's gone now. That is, I'm, you know, I'll bumble through the rest. <laughs> like I can't even, can't even wrap it up now. No, no. Uh, but where, uh, but Ria, where can people find you and the things that you do? Yes, so uh, I am obviously part of the obviously part of the femon collective we're amazing come and listen to our show femon.show is our website or at femon collective on instagram um subscribe listen to all of our episodes we talk about amazing things from film tv literature activism scenes from tv shows films like you know all poetry mm. go and check us out you'll see it there's something there for everybody you can also find me at ria carrigan on instagram 
and that's about it really just please uh, if you've enjoyed this there's a lot more of this on femon my co-hosts are a lot more coherent and less chaotic than i am so if you uh, prefer both of us really yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if you prefer slightly less chaotic podcasts go and listen to all of those shows yes <laughs> but if you if you enjoyed my chaos go and listen <laughs> to femon and ria's questions where there is a lot more of these ramblings and passionate thoughts that are, yeah. are not um that do not have any foundation in any sort of academia or scholarship but are entertaining yeah, exactly well we all have opinions and they're all as valid as each other's sometimes and mine is if a piece of cheese falls out of your top it's fine to eat it yeah well i would say it depends how long it's been there but that's obviously yeah. but you know I mean, nobody's got cheese down there for like days, so you know. Don't know, you know. We've all been camping; things disappear. <laughs> See, I haven't. I don't do camping. <laughs> okay, well, I've done for years. Uh, different podcast. <laughs> anyway, ladies and gentlemen, for now, yes, uh, please find us at Twentieth Century Geek on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Threads. I think um, other things like that. TikTok, we're on there as well. Nothing's really oh, on there. Wow. Um, I don't do any TikTokies. I just sort of watch other people. Um, I wait for people to post TikToks on Instagram. Yes. And then I watch them there like a normal person. <laughs> yes, like, so a, like, a, like an older millennial. Like a, nor- like a normal am. millennial. Yeah, that's yeah. what we all do. <laughs> do, do, do this newfangled things. Um, and I'm not on Snapchat at all, so I've got no other sort of like social oh, media. Oh, it still things. exists. I think Ooh. so. My daughter uses it for, like, for basically for filters and to on the dog. But um, other than that, anyway, if you like what we're doing, uh, please leave a review on all your podcast catchers uh, and uh, yeah, check us out. And if you really, really like what we're doing, check out the Patreon and our sister podcast. We've got stories out of time and space with me and Julian explore all kinds of sci-fi films. And we're currently working our way through Black Mirror. Um, no spoilers. I'm increasingly getting annoyed with it. And Julian is having to defend it repeatedly. Was <laughs> um, so it one of the reasons I stopped watching Black Mirror? Because also increasingly annoyed with it. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but it, it gets fun because it's me ranting about it a bit more and more. Um, <laughs> oh, and also we do Trekking Through the Twilight Zone and a bunch of other things as well. So go check out the Patreon. Uh, but for now, thank you very much. And thank you, Ria. I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, and for now, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we shall see you again soon. Mm-hmm.